Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. Inshallah, we'll uh, start our CS session today uh, where we left off uh, last week. Um, last week, uh, we briefly touched on the subject of uh, when Rasulullah wasallam he started his doing the da'wah openly, uh, and the da'wah was geared towards the society. We saw that uh, how the Quraysh... Um, or the people of the Makkah, they acted against Rasulullah sallallahu and the Sahaba, and um, it uh, it became physical as well. Besides just uh, propaganda against Rasulullah sallallahu and his message, and uh, Rasulullah sallallahu and Sahaba uh, uh, they suffered different kinds of uh, hardships, uh, and uh, after that, uh, Rasulullah sallallahu we see that uh, inshallah from there we'll continue on. That Rasulullah uh, uh, was at that time realized that uh, how the da'wah was perceived and uh, and he was calling the still the da'wah continued to be open, but when it came to the way he was uh, teaching the Sahaba, the one who became Muslim, uh, he was doing that in uh, secrecy, uh, which can be considered as uh, how whatever the part of the Qur'an was revealed and the Sunnah of Rasulullah that was taught to them in Darul Arqam bin Arqam which was uh, around uh, Mount Safa and uh, so that was more for the uh, protection of the Sahaba uh, and they can learn about the deen from Rasulullah um, but at the same time what we see because of the situation was getting worse and worse Allah Azza wa Jal allowed the Sahaba for migration. The one who could not bear the difficult times that they are going through. Uh, and Rasulullah was aware of uh, the king of the Habasha, Nijashi. Uh, and he allowed uh, the Sahaba who were willing to go and migrate to uh, Habasha, uh, or the Abyssinia, which is referred as. Uh, and there was a, the fifth year, uh, fourth year of the prophethood. And uh, the, pers- the prosecution started there and, uh, and the migration started in about the uh, fifth year of the, uh, of the Prophet of Rasulullah uh, And the first people who migrated included uh, Uthman bin Affan عن, and his wife Ruqayyah both of them migrated and about them Rasulullah said Ibrahim That uh, after Lut and Ibrahim السلام, that uh, the, the family of the house of Uthman and Ruqayya were the first ones who migrated for the sake of Islam, for the sake of Allah Azza wa Jal. And uh, besides that, there were about 12 men and four women who migrated to, to Habasha at that time. Uh, but before we talk about uh, what happened in the uh, in, in in Habasha? Uh, there's another aspect uh, to remember, and uh, inshallah, we may cover the, in more detail. Which was during the same time, Allah Azza wa Jalla revealed uh, Surah Al-Kahf. This was when the Sahaba were going through all kinds of difficulties, and uh, uh, Rasulullah Sallallahu was going through difficulty, and Sahaba even migrated at that time. Uh, Surah Al-Kahf was revealed. And Surah Al-Kahf is one of the, the, the surahs that uh, we are all aware of that uh, uh, many of the Muslims, uh, they follow the Sunnah of Rasulullah and they recite Surah Al-Kahf uh, every Friday. Uh, so the reason I want to just touch a little bit about that in, in regards to the migration 
of the Sahaba and the condition of the Muslims at that time and the, the revelation of that surah specifically at that time is important because there were three stories which are mentioned in Surah Al-Kahf and if you recite them, we were aware of them uh, one is about the story of Ashab Al-Kahf right? these were the Sahaba, these were the, the Muslims who went away from the persecution and the torture and the hardship that they're going through which uh, shows that if you end up in a hot spot where you cannot protect your deen and it becomes very difficult to practice your deen then you go away from the hot spot and uh, we can see the very similar thing about those Sahaba who migrated from Mecca to Habasha so they can continue to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to avoid the difficulties and, and, until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ease the situation and bring, make Islam established where they can go and practice the deen properly. So that's one, one, one story. So inshallah, when we, whenever we recite Surah Al-Kahf, remember these things because it has a lot of similarities for with today's time as well. These three stories that we read. And subhanAllah, this is a, a great wisdom in it that we see these, we read, recite these stories and they are very much applicable for today's situation of the Muslim Ummah as well. Uh, second story which is mentioned in there is about the story of Khadr the Khadr Musa. Uh, and in that story, uh, the, one of the main points which is mentioned there is, uh, not the story itself, but the lessons I learned from that is, the things that you perceive, that you, what you see, are not necessarily they're going to be the same or they're supposed to be same. Meaning, when we are applying the hukum of Allah Azza wa Jal, sometimes we find it, it is kind of a strange to apply those rulings. But the reason we apply those rulings is because they are from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what, what Khadr do, did at that time, there was the knowledge given to him by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Seemingly those actions looked very strange to do. That somebody who's giving him a boat ride, and instead of uh, returning the favor, you go and make the hole in the boat. Or the people who are not giving you, uh, uh, the, or being hospital for, hospitable for you when you are visiting a town, uh, and you go and uh, straighten a wall for them without any ujra, without any kind of money taken back from them. Or he killed an innocent female boy. Uh, over there. So all these things seemingly look very strange to do and this is why we find Musa والسلام, he was not able to be patient to see the action that Khadr was doing. So the point is a lot of times what we are doing which Allah subhanahu wa wants from us they seem to be very out of uh, 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 today's norms and they look very, uh, very strange for us. But because Allah said so, we do that. Okay, that's second thing. And uh, this is what happened when, uh, when, especially when Islam is not in practice as a deen, then the actions of Islam seemingly look strange. And there are many people who look at Islam as, why are you doing all those things? Why are you avoiding the things that is a norm for everybody to do? Well, we see in that story as well. The third story which is mentioned about the Mughal name. The king, or the, the, the one who Allah Azza wa Jal gave authority from east to west, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the story. Uh, and he is one of the righteous men. So this is a sign Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning in the story is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala victorious. The ones who are righteous, they will get the authority on the earth, on the, faith, uh, uh, on the land of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these three uh, uh, stories uh, were mentioned in Surah Al-Kahf and this Surah Al-Kahf was, was revealed at the time Sahaba were under heavy persecution and they even some of them migrated, the first migration is the Habasha as well and that was something uh, as a support mechanism for the Sahaba to see and, and we can learn the way, similar uh, lessons inshallah in today's time as well as we, we are going through the similar uh, situation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in Surah Al-Kahf about, uh, uh, about those, uh, the, the youth. Allah 
yanshur lakum rabbukum min rahmatihi wa yuhayyi lakum min amrikum marfaqa that Allah subhanahu is saying and uh, when you withdraw from them and that which they worship except Allah then seek refuge in the cave your Lord will open a way for you from his mercy and will make easy for you your affair um, so this is Allah subhanahu allowed them to leave the place and get seek refuge uh, uh, there and uh, similarly uh, Allah during the same time revealed the ayat of Surah Al-Zumar that, uh, that shows very clearly that it was allowed for the Muslims to migrate Allah Subh'anaHu Azzawajal uh, is saying in meaning good is the reward for those who do good in this world and Allah's earth is spacious so if you cannot worship Allah at a place then go to another only those who are patient shall receive the reward in full without reckoning so uh, having said that uh, so now we move on to the situation and when Allah, uh, Allah allowed the Sahaba Give the permission by the will of, by, by Allah and allow him uh, to migrate to Habasha. So, 12 people, 12 men and 4 women, they migrated to Habasha for, uh, in, the, in the first year in the month of Rajab. And uh, while they were there, after a couple of months, actually, so the Najm was revealed and in the month of Ramadan. And Rasulullah uh, he was reciting Surah Najm. In, uh, in Kaaba, in the Haram. And uh, some of the, uh, the kuffar of the Mecca, they were listening. In general, they had the habit of when Rasulullah was reciting the Quran, they would try to make noise and make sure that the others cannot listen what Rasulullah was saying by different ways. Uh, one of them was uh, mentioned in the Quran, Allah subhanahu says, وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لا تسمعوا لهذا القرآن ولغوا في لعلكم تغلبون. So they used to say that uh, listen not to this Quran and make noise, some sort of a noise in the midst of the recitation that so that that you may not be overcome by this message. Now when Surah Al-Najm, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was reciting, they uh, they were if you want to use the word mesmerized by when they listened to the Quran. It was out of, uh, out of a sudden, they started listening. And uh, while they were listening, and they, because uh, don't forget that part of it, that the Quran was in their language. And uh, they really were impacted by the Quran. And when the ayat of Sajda of Surah Al-Najm uh, was reached, so they understood what's supposed to be done at the, surah, at the ayat of Sajda. So they prostrated as in a normal manner that this is what it was supposed to be done. So they prostrated along with the Muslims and Rasulullah So that kind of a created a false rumor that as if the people of the Mecca they have accepted Islam and they have become Muslim. And this this rumor reached to uh, uh, reached to uh, Habasha as well. So the Muslims who were there, they thought of it that uh, the Makkans have become Muslim. So now we can go back to our homeland and we can live there. So now, when uh, uh, when they were very close to the Makkah, they found out that it was a rumor. It was not the true news. So uh, some of them they returned back, while the others they sneaked in to the Makkah, and they sneaked in a way with some sort of a support from the people of the Mecca. Like we mentioned before, that they had this habit, uh, they, they had this, uh, uh, one of the norms of the society, if uh, uh, somebody uh, who's powerful, uh, or a tribe is powerful, if they gave protection to somebody, then the whole tribe would protect them. So this is the way those, uh, some of the Sahaba, they sneak back into the Mecca. Now, but this, uh, uh, this thing about the Muslims were, in, some of them were migrated to Habasha, it was not uh, keeping the Quraysh or the, the people of the Mecca at peace. 
they, their, uh, uh, their harsh, uh, uh, harshness towards the Muslims uh, increased actually. And uh, they continued to do uh, different kinds of uh, means, they're using different means to give the hardship to the Muslims. And uh, that led to another migration to Habasha. And uh, at this time, there was a much bigger number actually that migrated to, uh, to Habasha. And this time, there were about uh, 101, 102 people, as the reports mentioned, there were 83 men and 18 or 19 women who migrated to Habasha this time. Now, when the, this migration happened, uh, this time uh, the Quraysh, they did not want to leave this migration as the first one. Rather, this time they sent their delegation. And this delegation was headed by uh, two of the, the, the people which were not Muslim at that time, and they did become Muslim later on. One was uh, Amr bin al-As, and the other one was Amr bin al-Bayr. So they, both of them, they became later on Muslim. So they went to, so they, they, they were sent with uh, gifts for the, for the Najashi and the people who were around him, the entourage of Najashi. So it's more of a, like a bribery. So you give them gifts, so they will be giving their ears, they will be willing to listen to you, what you have to offer. So they went there and uh, they complained to Najashi. First they gave the gifts, so now the, uh, uh, Najashi and, and the people over there, they welcomed them. So they, they complained was on the ground that they had abandoned the religion of the forefathers. They're complaining about the people who migrated from Mecca to Habasha. They said they are the one who uh, they abandoned the religion of their forefathers, and the leader who was preaching a religion different from theirs and from that of the king. So we want to make sure that uh, they are kind of inciting something uh, in the hearts of uh, uh, of the people of the Habasha as well. That it's not only we're complaining that oh they have left our religion, but they have left they did not adopt your they did not adopt yours either. So they have come up with something new. Now. As I mentioned, Rasulullah was aware of uh, Najashi that he was a just ruler. And this is the reason Rasulullah sent the Sahaba to Habasha. Uh, so now the king summoned the Muslims to come uh, to his court and uh, he asked, so before the, when they were summoned to Sahaba, they discussed among themselves that now, first of all, who would be the one who should be uh, leading the Sahaba? So they agreed upon. It should, it should be Ja'far bin Abi Talib radiallahu anh. And uh, he is the one who will be addressing. And they also discussed that what should we be saying there. And they agreed on, they will say the truth as is. They will not change anything. They will not distort anything to please Najashi or the people of the court or anybody around there. Rather, whatever Allah Azza wa Jal revealed to them, they will say as is. Uh, it's an important thing to understand this aspect of the dealing of Ja'far bin Abi Talib and the Sahaba with Najashi. Think of it, you have left all sorts of uh, uh, hardships that you're going through, you landed in a land, and now over there, there is a chance that the way the case has been presented, that everything can backfire and they have to probably leave that land and go back to, uh, to Mecca. Now, uh, Najashi summoned them because he was thinking of, thinking of they are from the other land, we want to make sure that if they belong to the, the people, they should go. But at the same time, he wants to be, he wanted to be just. That's why he was listening to, he wanted to listen to the story from their end as well. So when Ja'far bin Abi Talib came, and he asked them about their situation, so he said, O king, we were plunged in the depth of ignorance and barbarism. We adored idols. We lived in unchastity. We ate dead bodies. We spoke abomination. We disregarded every feeling of humanity and the duties of hospitality and neighborhood were neglected. We, grew, we knew no law but that of the strong, meaning whatever the strong person wanted, he will get his way. Uh, and uh, uh, when Allah raised among us a man of whose birth, truthfulness, honesty, and purity, we were aware. And he called to the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught us not to associate anything with him. He forbade us the worship of idols. He enjoined us to speak the truth. And he gave whatever that he was aware of about the rulings that were revealed to, to the Muslims at that time. And, uh, uh, and he ended up this that 
for this reason, and then he said, for this reason our people have risen against us, have persecuted us in order to make us forsake the worship of Allah and return to the worship of idols and other abominations. They have tortured and injured us until finding no safety among them. We have come to your country and hope you will protect us from the oppression. So this is what Ja'afa bin Abi Talib, he got up and he, he said the haq. He did not try to twist or change anything just to make anybody happy or pleased. Okay? Uh, so the king was very much impressed. Like the Najashi was very impressed when he heard about that, all this. And he asked for the Muslims, do you know of any of what has been revealed to Rasulullah Sallallahu Meaning he was asking for the Quran that was revealed to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And he recited Surah Al-Maryam in front of him. And uh, so he, where, he, where the, the story of Isa salam is mentioned how he was born of, uh, of, of uh, Maryam salam, uh, without uh, a man has uh, touched her. Uh, and when uh, he heard that, the thing, that what he replied, and by the way, they started crying, and uh, the story, and not only him, even the bishop around him, they started crying, and their beards were wet with the tears. And uh, uh, he said, it seemed as if these words and those which were revealed to Isa are the rays of the light which have radiated from the same source. So he, he recognized right away that this message is coming from the same source. If you remember, uh, the very similar thing was mentioned to Rasulullah when he went to Waraq bin Nawfal as well. He said the very same thing, similar way, that this is the same namus that was sent to Musa So, uh, and he's saying that it seems like the source is the same. And he told them that, I'm afraid I cannot give you back these refugees. They are free to live and worship in my realm as they please. Now, these delegations who came, they did not want to give up, uh, give up on this. So next day, they came back again. Now, they wanted to uh, instigate something more because they were aware of what was the belief of Muslims about Isa That they believed Isa was the, he was a messenger, and he was not the son of a god that um, some of the Christians they believe. So they went and they said that uh, they blasphemed the Isa Look, they don't even believe in this, but just to make make a case, this is how they they said to Najashi. Now again, the Muslims were summoned; they were called again, and Jafar came. And now, obviously, the situation became very sensitive. If you think about it, this is. You are talking about something which is very dear to them. The, the, this is what they were exposed to. It. Think of it today. Now, at that time, they were going by Christianity, the Habasha, the, the people over there. Now, today, if the Muslims are summoned and asked about what do you believe in capitalism? What do you believe in democracy? Do, do you, uh, is that what Islam teaches you or Islam teaches something else? That Islam teaches you that the man is a source of ruling. Or Islam teaches something else. Of course, as a Muslim, we believe in the hukmu illa lillah. Hukum belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, this is important to understand to relate the, uh, the, the reality of that time and today's time. Because when the reality we are living in, we have to... Uh, we have to know what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us to speak, right? So we have to say the, the truth, no matter what the situation is. That's what the story of Ja'far and the Habasha we should remember of. Not to think of it as, as if this is a mean of twisting the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rather, it is actually a story that teaches us a lesson. No matter how difficult the situation is, you have to say the haq the way it is. And that's what they did. When the story of uh, when it was asked about Isa والسلام, that what are the beliefs and it was very clearly stated and when he mentioned about that again the Najashi he was uh, his response at once remarked even, though, even so do we believe blessed to be, be you and blessed to your master then turning to the uh, frowning and because he said he accepted what they were saying but what the bishops and all the people around them who were, uh, if you think about it, the way it was dealt with, they were fed with the gifts. 
they were giving gifts that were keep uh, that's one thing plus it was touching some of very uh, uh, very dear to them the, the belief system that they were carrying and the, the Muslims went ahead and they said the truth and the Jashi actually accepted it and he said that he will not care about how they feel and he said that you, you may uh, he said you may fret and fume as you like but Jesus is nothing more than what Jafar has said about him this is what the Jashi's response was and, uh, and, and, and he goes and he assured the Muslims of full protection and returned the envoys of Quraysh and gift uh, and not only that he gave, gave the gifts back also because he did not want to take any kind of a bribery or any kind of things from the people who were there for an unjust cause. And uh, uh, there is a whole story about this as well, uh, because he said that uh, Allah had gave him the power uh, without any bribery. Uh, and there's a whole story of him, how he became the king uh, when his father was killed and the uh, uncle was involved. Uh, this is a side story, uh, and inshallah, if any of you are interested, I can point out to you where you can read uh, more information about that. But uh, uh, he returned everything. Now, in this, uh, so Muslims, many of the Muslims were migrated to Habasha, and they were at peace at least uh, for the time being. But the situation in, uh, uh, while this whole migration things were happening, there are a couple of other things also happened, which are very important for the, uh, uh, if you want to call it, some, the, a kind of a turning point in the da'wah of Islam, which was two big personalities who entered into the fold of Islam. One was Hamza, an, the uncle of Rasulullah and second personality who became Muslim three days after Hamza became Muslim was Umar al-Khattab. Now, this was actually during the time the migration was happening. So I'm just going a little bit, uh, taking a few steps back and talking about during that time when the Muslims were migrating to Habasha. Uh, so one of the time what happened was uh, when all this uh, hardship the Muslims were going through and they were oppressed, uh, Hamza became Muslim and he became Muslim in a very uh, interesting manner. So Allah was sitting uh, by uh, Mount Safa and uh, he was sitting there, Abu Jahl passed by. And Abu Jahl, as according to his nature, he started uh, cursing at Rasulullah and saying bad things to Rasulullah and Rasulullah continued to avoid him. He did not reply back to him. So at that point, Abu Jahl uh, got more angry and he threw a stone at Rasulullah and that broke the head of Rasulullah and he started bleeding. And one of the female slaves, Abdullah bin Jud'an, uh, she was watching the whole story. And uh, when Hamza, radiallahu anhu, the Rasulullah he was coming back from one of his hunting trips. And uh, he had his uh, bow and arrow in his hand. He was coming back. She went to him. And she was a free slave of the Lavi Jiran, by the way. So she went to him. And she told what happened to Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi And uh, by the way, after Abu Jahl uh, hit Rasulullah, he went to the, the Kaaba and he sat there with his uh, friends. So when Hamza found out from this slave girl, uh, I'm sorry, she was. So actually, I read two different reports. One says she was a slave girl, belonged to Abdullah bin Jilan, and another says she was a free, free slave. But whichever way. So she went to Hamza and uh, she mentioned what happened to Rasulullah. Hamza. He got furious because at the end of the day, that was his nephew. And as we have discussed before, there was a part of the culture at that time to protect your family members, protect your pride. And uh, that was his nephew, uh, uh, son of his, uh, his brother. So he went directly to Abu Jahl and he struck Abu Jahl with his bow. Now, the people who was from the tribe of Abu Jahl, right away he got, they got up and they wanted to go and attack uh, Hamza. While the, the family of uh, the people from Abdul Manaf, they got up and they wanted to protect, uh, but from Bani Abdul Manaf, they wanted to protect Hamza. Now, when the situation was getting heated, heated up, right away Abu Jahl actually, he intervened. And he said 
that what Hamza did, he has the right to it. He, he mentioned that he is the one who did the wrong when he struck Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But at that time, when Hamza struck him, he, not only he struck him with his bow violently, but he said, you have been abusing Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I too follow his religion and profess what he preaches. So out of the anger, he said these words, that he is also the follower of the same deen, same religion of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now, he said all those things out of anger at that time. He did not, was, he was not into it. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the way in his heart and the, the deen entered in his heart and he became a true believer. And not only a true believer, but actually one of the biggest defenders of Islam and the Muslims at that time. Okay? So that was one of the, 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 one of the, the biggest events that happened that turned Islam, uh, the, 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 the situation of the Muslims. Now, the other thing was of the Umar al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. Now, Umar al-Khattab, he was actually, and this is like the beginning, before he became a Muslim, while uh, Muslims were migrating to uh, Habasha, so he met some of the women, and they were part of the, the migration, they were going to travel. And uh, one of the women, whose name was Umm Abdullah bint Hantama, and she said that when we were traveling and going to uh, Habasha, Omar came, and Omar, uh, we are aware of that he was one of the staunch enemies of Muslims. He used to, uh, one of the stories mentioned that he was torturing a female slave. And so much he was beating her up that he got tired of beating her up. So he was taking a rest, while he, uh, so he can go back and beat her up again. Abu Bakr Siddiq was passing by. And he is the one, when he saw the situation, he bought the female slave and he freed him. Because she was a Muslim, that's why Omar was beating her up. So this is the kind of a mentality he had. And he was, the one reason was he was, uh, he was into protecting the religion that he was following. Uh, so he was very much into the tribal norms, uh, whether it comes to worshipping the idols or taking care of the pilgrimage. And all those things he was too much into it. That this is why he saw this something. Islam is something that is against all the uh, cultural things that the Quraysh was involved in. So when he was passing by Umm uh, Abdullah bin Hantana, and uh, he asked, "Are you leaving?" So Umm Abdullah, Umm Abdullah. So she said that yes, you have persecuted us, oppressed us, and by Allah, we are going out in the land of Allah until. Until Allah grants us a way out. See, when they were moving, they were moving with this intention. They're not just going away, just okay, we're going to spread out. They understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give them the victory. But they were not able to stay in that situation. So they were hoping, we'll go away, but the end goal is coming back to Darul Islam, inshallah. Now, so, now Omar, Omar was kind of a, at the same time, he got sad. Because he saw the women now even leaving, and they are persecuting them so much that they are leaving the land that they are from. So now, uh, she said to, uh, he said to her, to her, may Allah be with you. Okay, Sahibatum Allah. That may Allah be with you. Now, the woman saw there is some kindness when he said things like this. So, Amr ibn Rabia, when he came, he was not there at that time, when he came, so she mentioned to him that she felt there is some softness in Umar now. Okay? So his response was, La yusallimu hatta, La yusallimu hatta, yusallimu himaru khattar. He's talking about Umar. That he will not believe, except in Islam, until the donkey of khattar will become Muslim. Okay? And we know, even in Urdu, how it sounds, and it sounds worse in Arabic. Okay? So, Himal al-Khattab will become Muslim first. <laughs> Before, Umar al-Khattab will become Muslim. Okay? Then this is how much they thought of hard-headedness of Umar al-Khattab. Radiyallahu anhu. Okay? Uh, but, uh, and, but, but after this incident, actually, a uh, few days after that, he did enter into folds of Islam. 
Uh, and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I'll talk about the story of him entering into folds of Islam also. Uh, but uh, actually the, the Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made the dua, which was, uh, which was actually pointing towards two people, Umar and Abu Jahl. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Allahumma islam bi so he said, oh, 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 oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, give the izzah, give the strength to the Islam by one of the two that you love. The one that you love among these two, Umar bin Khattab or Abu Jahan. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose Umar bin Khattab. So Umar, this was the dua of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, accepted the dua, and Umar uh, entered into folds of Islam. But before we go into how he became Muslim, uh, and uh, that will be inshallah today's, uh, uh, we'll talk uh, in the talk with that. Umar al-Khattab, uh, before uh, 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 he became Muslim, another thing one time happened was he was in the Kaaba and he saw Rasulullah was reciting the Quran. And he hid behind the curtain of the Quran, he wanted to listen to what Rasulullah was saying. So Rasulullah was reciting Surah Al-Haqqa. And uh, subhanAllah, the, the impact of Surah Al-Haqqah the Qur'an on him was appearing at that time. And uh, he's in his head when he was listening, he felt like that uh, probably this is, it is a sha'ir. It is from the sha'ir. This is the, the call of the sha'ir. It's a poetry. And right away the next ayah, the Rasulullah was reciting Surah Al-Haqqah was, وَمَا هُوَ بِقَوْلِ شَعْرِ that it is not the word of the poet. And he does not know. Rasulullah so doesn't know Umar al-Khattab is behind the curtain. He is, Allah has revealed the ayat in that way. And he's thinking in his heart. And Rasulullah is reciting the next ayah. Then he goes, oh probably it is the word of a kahim. It is something from, uh, from a kahim. The next ayah says, that no, not the word of a soothsayer, of, of a kahin either. Little do you remember. See, so, and then until the end of Surah Al-Haqqa, he listened. And he mentioned that at that time, the Islam entered his heart when he was listening to the Quran. But he continued to be the way he was. But the thing, something happened to him at that time. And then when uh, Quraysh, they were discussing about Rasulullah sallallahu to, to, to kill Rasulullah They were planning, plotting. And Omar right away, as the way he was in Jahiliyyah, right away he said, he will go and do it. And Quraysh agreed, yeah, you will do it. Because they, they know of Omar. So he took the sword and he started looking for Rasulullah sallallahu And remember in the beginning you were talking about Rasulullah sallallahu used to teach the Sahaba in Dawul Arkham bin Arkham, which is by uh, Mount Safa. So he did not know, he was looking. And on his way, he had a sword in his hand, and is uh, going on the way. And he uh, happened to meet one of his cousins, Nu'aym. Uh, Nu'aym, uh, when he met Nu'aym bin Abdullah and Naham, Naham, and uh, he saw, he's going in anger, he said, what are you up to? He asked the question. Omar goes, he is going to He's looking for the Sabi. He goes looking for the Sabi. Sabi, remember we talked about that uh, one of the terms they used to use, anybody who left idol worshipping was referred to as Sabi. Uh, so the one who has left idol worshipping. So he referred to Rasulullah And he goes, that, uh, I'm looking for the Sabi. This one who has changed his religion, who has divided Quraysh, insulted their uh, intelligence, criticized their religion, and slandered their God. So I'm going to kill him. This is what Umar al-Khattab was saying. Now Nu'aym, he wanted to divert him. When he was trying to divert him, so Umar goes, it seems like you have become Muslim also. <laughs> and he was a Muslim. So when he realized that, he thought of that, so he said, it seems like you are Muslim, let's start with you. So Nu'aym, where he was, now the anger is coming on him. So he wanted to divert it from, from himself and from Rasulullah So he said, before you kill Rasulullah or kill me, why don't you go take care of your own family? Your own uh, sister and brother-in-law, they have entered the folds of Islam. Fatima, 
with the Khattab. First he said, your family, he said, who? And then he mentioned about Fatima radiallahu anha and her husband, uh, Sa'id bin Zayd. So Sa'id bin Zayd, uh, so kind of going back to one of the things you mentioned in the past. Sa'id bin Zayd was the son of Zayd bin uh, Nufayr. Yeah? Who was not Zayd bin Nufayr? Uh, yeah, Zayd bin Nufayr. So he was a cousin of Umar bin Khattab actually. Okay? Now, when he uh, heard of that, so he, now his anger went to his family side. So he went, started, he changed his direction, going towards his sister's house. When he went there, so they were reciting Surah Taha. And uh, Khabbab bin uh, Al-Arab, he was there, he's the one who was teaching them the Quran. When he knocked at the door, so they asked for who it was, he said, Ibn Khattab. So Khabbab, uh, he hid at that time. And they started hiding the papers that they had, that the Quran was written, written on them. So he entered and he asked what they were doing. So they, they just said, we were just discussing. Okay? So they were discussing. And upon that, uh, he said, he asked them if they have become Muslim. And uh, uh, the answer of Sa'id bin Zayd, uh, son of Zayd, uh, he was by the Sa'id bin Zayd, one of the Ashra Abu Bashirah as well, the ten who was given the glad tidings. So he, uh, he goes, what if we have changed the religion? So he's not giving a straight answer right away also. But he then, upon more questioning, they, uh, uh, they said, yes, we become Muslim. Uh, and when he heard that, he started beating up his brother-in-law, Sayyid bin Zayd. And Omar was a strong man. And uh, he, he, he took down uh, Sayyid bin Zayd and he sat on his chest. And he was pulling his beard. And he is hitting for his, his sister and the wife of Sa'id bin Zayd. She tried to intervene to protect her husband. When she came close to Omar, Omar hit her with her hand, with his hand, and she started to bleed. When he saw that his own sister was bleeding, so he calmed down a bit, and he asked, "Okay, what were you reciting? Let me see what you have." Upon this, his sister she said, "You are impure. You cannot." Uh, touch the Quran. She said, "La yamasu illa illa mutahharun," because uh, you cannot touch the, the one who are not tahir, the one who are not pure, cannot touch it. Okay, because of that, she said, uh, "You are not pure. You cannot touch." So she, he, he, he went out. He cleaned himself. He came back. Now, uh, with this promise that he will return it back, uh, the papers of the Quran, he will not uh, do anything to it. They gave the. Uh, the papers that had Surah Taha that says that uh, Taha we have not sent down to you Quran that you be distressed that, uh, but only as a reminder for those who fear Allah and he continued to read until he got to the Bible that says and continued on continued on then Umar uh, 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 he was one of the people who were educated people who knew how to read and write and he was very good in the language that, that impacted him right away that impacted him right away and he said the one who says this about the Quran that he decided no one should be worshipped other than him other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell me where is Muhammad sallallahu because now the Islam really entered into his heart and he wanted to know where Rasulullah was. And right away he said, where is he? Now when he, when Khabba uh, bin al-Arab, when he heard this, now he remembered the dua that Rasulullah made about Umar and uh, Abu Jahl that uh, gave strength to Islam by one of the two that you love most among, the, among those two. So Khabba came and he said, he said Abshari Umar, that he's given the glad tidings. That Rasulullah made the dua, and that uh, the, uh, this is the response of the dua. And he mentioned what the dua was. Now, so now he still has the sword that he was carrying. Now he's heading towards the Arqam bin Arqam. He, he goes there, and uh, when he went there, uh, Sahaba they saw Umar bin Khattab through the door, crack, cracks of the door, and they saw Umar bin Khattab. And now uh, nobody had the uh, strength to go and open the door because they all aware of 
how Umar al-Khattab was. So Hamza, who became Muslim three days prior to Umar al-Khattab, so he said, uh, who is it? And then when they said it was Umar, and he had a sword in his hand, so he said, let him in. And if he's here with a good intention, he's welcome. If not, then we will chop off his head from his own sword. Okay, when, when, they ent- when he, uh, Umar entered, right away they grabbed him with his arms. Okay, and they took him to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And uh, uh, at that time Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi grabbed him from his clothes and he asked him, why are you here? How long are you going to be uh, enemy of Allah subhanahu uh, The word was some, somewhat like that. And upon which Umar al-Khattab's response was, he's here to accept the deen of uh, Allah subhanahu wa uh, and he said, O Messenger of Allah, I have come believing in Allah and His Messenger and it in that which you have brought, uh, uh, brought to us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Rasulullah sallallahu said, Allahu Akbar, and all, all the companions, the Sahaba, they said that Allahu Akbar and the valley of the, uh, of the Safa were there that was echoed with the Allahu Akbar. Now, when, when uh, Umar became Muslim, uh, one of the things that he right away asked Rasulullah sallallahu aren't we on the haqq? Now we on the truth. And he said, are we not following the truth whatever we live or die? But Rasulullah said, yes, indeed. By the one in whose hand is my soul, you are following the truth. So, uh, whether you live or die. He said, so why should we hide? By the one who sent you with the truth, you should go out and preach openly, basically. So now, uh, let's take a pause here uh, and think about it. Umar al-Khattab here, was on his way to kill Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and now just the iman has entered in his heart. He has just accepted Islam. He's not waiting now that I have to go and learn. He may not even know how to pray yet. He's not saying any of those things, and now he wants to go willingly right away, and. Tell people about Islam to the rest of people as well, right? Uh, nowadays, a lot of time we get into this mentality of I cannot talk about Islam until I have to learn many, many years and then we will talk about Islam. Look, the idea is, even if we know the Hadith of Rasulullah talks about this, even if you know one ayah, preach. Take it to the others, right? So it's not the idea, it's not that you talk about you don't know anything about. Whatever we are aware of, we have to convey to the others. Okay? And uh, as far as the knowledge goes, it will continue to come. Right? There's no time until even we die, we will be able to say we know everything. Uh, many of us here, mashallah, we are uh, getting older and older. We are aware of it, right? Until we die, we will still be learning. And every day, we, we probably hear the very same story and we, we realize, we, I did not look at the story from this angle. Yeah? Even Omar Khattab's story is this one. Think of it, that right away, he wanted to go out and take this message to the rest. And Rasulullah he made the two rows, one headed by Umar, one headed by Hamza. And they made the talaf of the Kaaba with them and proclaiming their, their belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like that. Okay? Now, when Umar became Muslim, one of the things he started doing, so he was, uh, uh, as we know of, as he was tough, Against Islam, when he became a Muslim, he became tougher against the kufr. First thing he did, he wanted to find out who should he tell that he became Muslim. He went to Abu Jahl's house. Abu Jahl was his, uh, his uncle, his uh, khal, meaning his uh, mom's brother. He went to him, knocked at his door, and he started saying, I changed my religion. I became... So he said, no, you don't do that. He said, no, I did. <laughs> he said, don't do that. He said, three times. And he said, no, I did. And he, then he slammed the door on the face of Umar al-Khattab. Now he went to another, looking for another leader. So he can go and tell him. And he went and did the same thing. Similar response he got. So now, somebody told him, it seems like you want to tell everybody that you have become Muslim. Okay. So if you really want to do that, instead of going one by one, they said, he said, look, there's a guy, if you tell him, okay, his name was Jamil, and if you tell him, he will, you can think of it as, as a CNN or a Fox News, 
that he will spread out everywhere. And he went to Jimmy. And he said, just go and uh, tell, tell, uh, say, say a law in front of him. You don't even have to say directly to him. And he said, he went to him. And he said, uh, he did not even say nothing. He got up and he went directly into Kaaba and started screaming top of Islam that Umar has accepted Islam. So he's the one who's telling everybody. Now, uh, uh, he, no, he left, uh, he left the religion. Okay? Uh, now, yeah. Okay. So he, he left, uh, uh, he left the, the religion. Omar said, no, I have accepted Islam. <laughs> I have accepted Islam. So now, see, he's making sure this correct. So now, when the people, all of them, they heard, they started beating him up. They started beating him up. And uh, this is what uh, Ibn Omar uh, mentioned in the story. And they started beating him up to a point that Omar is fighting back. Until he could not fight back and they're still beating him up. So one of the old men came, came by and he said that do you think if you kill this man uh, then his tribe, uh, Bani Ali, will, will leave you alone? And he said, let him go. And because of that guy, they left Omar al-Khattab. And Omar, uh, Ibn Omar, Abdullah ibn Omar, he asked Omar al-Khattab, who was that old, old man? May Allah give him jazaul khair. This is how he said. And the response of Omar was interesting. He said, it was Asb bin Wa'il, and may Allah does not give him uh, <laughs> jazaul khair. Later on he mentioned, because he was a kafir. Okay? So, uh, and he, he was dead. So, and the father of Amr bin As. Amr bin As became Muslim, but As bin Wa'il, he did not. And he was one of the leaders of the Quraysh. Okay? The reason he said like this, because a person who dies in the state of the Kufa, you cannot make a dua for him. Okay? A person who dies. Of course, a person who is still alive, you make dua for his guidance and all those things. Uh, and uh, as a Muslim, as a, you can see, so Allah has made a dua for Umar al-Khattab and Abu Jahl. So these are two different uh, stories. To, to, we have to be we have to distinguish these two things. Now, Umar al-Khattab became Muslim, and this is the time, actually, as uh, Rasulullah sallallahu referred to him as al-Faruq. Because after that, Haq and Batil became completely separated. That he is the one who distinguished the Haq and Batil. He was the, one of the distinguishing force. And he was referred as al-Faruq. Now, after Umar al-Khattab became a Muslim, Muslims now were able to go to the Kaaba and pray. And not only that, even though Muslims as a whole, they were not the one who were fighting back, but in an individual level, some of them, they started fighting back if they were hurt or something, and they started protecting themselves as well, on an individual level. But Rasulullah was not the one who was ganging them up against uh, the movement or something, who was taking arms or something against the Quraysh at that time. Okay? Uh, so we'll stop here. Alhamdulillah, uh, if uh, there is any questions or comments about the subject that's covered, uh, I'll try to answer. And uh, otherwise, we'll continue. Inshallah. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sira are available at IslamPodcasts.com, as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment, and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about IslamPodcast.com.